Of course, today is the great solemnity of all saints. And that word saint, we use it in three different ways in our, in our faith, in our religion. The first, the, this is kind of the scriptural sense. If you read the letters of St. Paul, you read him talking about the saints. There he's talking about the Christians, the faithful, the ones who belong to the body of Christ. So in that sense, all of us, we're all saints. We can think of that as the lowercase saint. That's, of course, not the most common way that the word saint is used in our Catholic context. The most common way that we use it are the canonized saints, the capital S saints, the canonized saints. Those that have gone through the church's process of canonization and the church affirms definitively that those men and women are, in fact, in heaven. So those are the saints, the saints in heaven. Now, there is, of course, something of a middle category that is neither all of us here, churchgoers, Christians, Catholics, nor the canonized saints, although it includes the canonized saints. But it's to say, all who are in heaven, everyone who is in heaven is a saint. Because there are, of course, many saints in heaven who are not canonized. Only the really famous ones, the, really, the ones that the church holds up, as a, holds up as a model of virtue, holds up as a particular example of the Christian life to be followed, to be imitated. The church holds them up, or maybe there are certain miracles that are attributed to them and so forth. So they've gone through this process of canonization. They're canonized saints, okay. But that's a small minority, that's a small number, compared to all of the saints that are in, that are in heaven. And when we celebrate the Feast of All Saints, we're not talking about our feast, the lowercase saints. We're not celebrating ourselves. And we, yes, we're, canonized, we're celebrating the canonized saints, surely, but we're in fact celebrating all of the saints, everyone who is in heaven, because they have lived the Christian life, most of them in hidden ways, most of them away from public recognition, away from the honors and praises of others. They lived the Christian life, and they died, and they, went to, and they went to heaven. And now, not only are they in heaven, and not only can we learn from them, but, you know, we can learn from historical figures, too. We can learn from George Washington or whoever else, somebody, somebody in the past. That's fine. We can learn what they did and lived and taught and how to follow good teachings that they shared. Okay, fine. But the saints are alive. The saints are alive in heaven. That's what makes the saints so different than any other historical figure, anyone that has come before us. They are now in heaven, which means they are much more alive than we are. So not only do they give us an example to follow, but they are actually walking with us. They are our friends. And we can befriend them and enjoy life here with them and be accompanied by them all the way to heaven where we can really enjoy life with them. And to enjoy life in heaven, that requires that we say no to some things here on earth. We have to renounce the things of the world. We have to pick up our cross. We have to endure our sufferings with patience and all the rest. And we could talk about that for hours, and 
we, we all need help with that, and we can't do that without grace. So we continuously come to the Lord to ask for His help. But here I want to talk about what the saints are enjoying now in heaven. Now that they've undergone those trials in heaven and persevered and carried their crosses, what is it that they're enjoying now in heaven? And one of my favorite saints, St. John Vianney, preached a sermon on this great feast of all saints. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to read to you part of that sermon. Sermon. And what are the joys they have and what are the joys that they have received from the giver of all good gifts? I answer. I'm quoting St. John Vianney directly. Joy without pain. Whenever man has any happiness here on earth, the pain is not far off. If we enjoy a day of festivities, it is soon followed by a day of suffering. If we enjoy good health, it is soon followed by indisposition or probably sickness. Here below, our happiness is never perfect. It never lasts long. It is never enduring. But what is the joy of the saints of heaven? Unchangeable and undisturbed joy and gladness, says the Holy Ghost through the prophet Isaiah. Sorrow and mourning shall flee away, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. So we read in the Apocalypse of St. John. And death shall be no more, nor mourning, nor crying, nor sorrow shall be any more. O true life, O eternal life, O life of never-ending happiness, there is joy without pain, rest without work, honor without shame, riches without loss, health without sickness, abundance without want, life without death, happiness without suffering. St. Augustine says, It is easier to say what is not in heaven than what is in heaven. There is found no death, no mourning, no weariness, no weakness, no hunger, no thirst, no heat, no sickness, no infirmity, no sadness, no melancholy. Now these things are not there. Do you wish to know what is there? There is an everlasting home where youth never grows old, where love never grows cold, where beauty never fades, where pleasure never ceases. For this reason, the angels are portrayed as beautiful, youthful figures, although they have been created for a very long time. There nothing decays, nothing loses its strength and beauty. These joys without suffering are then unspeakable great joys. Oh, how great, says the psalmist David, is the multitude of thy sweetness, O Lord, which thou hast hidden for them. And he himself gives the answer, They, the saints, shall be inebriated with the plenty of thy house, and they shall make them drink of the torrent of thy pleasure. For with thee is the fountain of life, and in thy light we shall see light. For better is one day in thy course above thousands. And what reward has the blessed Lord promised his servants with these words? Be glad and rejoice, for your reward is very great in heaven. And what was the joy of St. Paul when he was deemed worthy to look into the third heaven? He is not able to describe it. Therefore, he falters the words, The eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath 
entered into the heart of man the things God has prepared for them that love him. That's a little meditation on heaven. And one way actually to move towards heaven is precisely to do that, to meditate on heaven, to meditate on heaven. We have so many worries and anxieties here on the world that pull us down into the mundane, down into the physical, down into the practical things that have to get done. Okay, fine, they have to get done. We have bodies, we have to do things. But we're not bodies only, we're bodies and souls. So we meditate on heaven, and by doing this, we move towards heaven. Now I'll just close with a story. Those of you that may listen to Father Mike Schmitz, a priest on the internet, you may have heard him share this. Um, If you don't know Father Mike Schmitz, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know who you are. But I recommend you check him out. He has great homilies on the internet. In any case, he gives this story of the saints an analogy for the saints. So it's a true story for him where he competed in a, in a triathlon. Triathlon, of course, biking, running, and swimming. But an Ironman triathlon. So a two-and-a-half-mile swim, a hundred-mile bike race, and a 26-mile run, a marathon, to top it off. And it, this was in Canada, in a small town. And the race started at 7 a.m., and it had to finish by midnight. The, the runners, the, com- the competitors had to finish, had to cross the finish line by midnight. So that's, what, 17 hours. If they didn't, even if they arrived just a second too late, just a second past midnight, after having done all of this for 17 hours, running and biking and, and swimming for 17 hours, if they were just a second too late, next to their name would be the letters DNF, did not finish. Did not finish. And so it was crucial that everybody finished before midnight, not a second too late. And so what would often happen is the ones who were competing, they would finish and they maybe would get cleaned up and then get something to eat. And then they would come back and cheer on the ones that were still running, the ones that were still finishing. And this was true for the crowd that was there just watching, but also true for those that had competed and were then coming back to help the other ones to finish. Well, this was going for several hours, several people coming in, and there was a crowd of people lined up on the sides of the streets, and it was really thin at first, and it got thicker and thicker, and the closer they got to the finish line, the thicker the, the crowd was. And people were coming in, and they were helping them to come in, and people even running out to run back with them the last mile or two. Well, this went on until 11.45 at night, 11.45 p.m., 15 minutes before the cutoff. And the announcer, who'd been announcing names all night, gets on the microphone and says, guys, we have somebody two miles away. They're running in, they're two miles away, they're 15 minutes left. Let's go out there and get them and run them in, make sure they get here within 15 minutes. Now, to run two miles in 15 minutes is already pretty good. But to do this after swimming two and a half miles and biking 100 miles and running 24 miles is pretty much impossible. So people go out there and they start running with him. And about seven minutes later, seven or eight minutes later, the announcer gets back to the microphone and says he has crossed the mile mark. He is now just one mile away. There are seven minutes left. We have to get him in. So now this big crowd goes out to meet him where he is. 
and they run with him. And a lot of these people had to run the race that same day. And now they're out running with his last competitor coming in. And they're running the whole last mile with him. And this, this man is just, just bar- barely has anything left in him. But because he's not running alone, he can do it. He's pushing harder and harder. And sure enough, he crosses the finish line with 13 seconds to spare. They asked him, what was that like? He said, well, it could have been 13 seconds slower. No, I don't know who said that. <laughs> but you see, you see the analogy there. The saints have already gone this, gone, done this, have already gone this, down this path. They have already lived this life. And now they're enjoying the reward of heaven that God has prepared for them. But it's not enough for them to just enjoy it for themselves. They want all of us, all of us lowercase saints, to join them, to join that great cloud of witness. And this is the promise of the gospel. This is the promise of Jesus. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven.